I said to myself, it's okay to die. And the minute I said that, I looking right at the door and the door was really bright. And I could see like a shadow standing out there. And uh, the shadow moves into the room the minute I said it's okay to die. And the uh, shadow reaches out, it touches me. And when, when, when that shadow touched me, I felt a warm breeze kind of blowing all of a sudden. And I felt this tremendous sense of love and peace and calm, like everything is, couldn't be any better. Everything was perfect. I was in Miami. We were running some uh, electrical lines uh, on one of the main roads over there. It was Wednesday night, and people always ask me, how do I remember it was Wednesday night? It's easy, because the next day was Thanksgiving. So we were trying to rush to finish work. Uh, we, had, uh, we were backed up a bit, and uh, we were looking forward to the four-day weekend, right? You got Thanksgiving, then you got Black Friday, and uh, Saturday and Sunday. So we were trying to hurry up and uh, we decided that instead of having me come up and down in the bucket truck, we'll just go from one point to point and keep me up there. Uh, it wasn't too bright. We weren't like, this wasn't the greatest idea, but you know, it wasn't like uh, something exotic happened. Like I got electrocuted. I just, the, the guy kept looking up, trying to make sure that he didn't electrocute me and he, he hit a little tree stump that was sticking out. Anyway, I hit the side of the bucket and I broke all the ribs on my right side. Wound up going to the ER and uh, they took some x-rays and they taped me up and uh, they gave me some medication for pain. And in that medication was something for, uh, it was an anti-inflammatory, ibuprofen, something that we take every day. Uh, but they gave me that and about an hour later, I started noting, noticing it was really difficult to breathe. So I uh, was home already and I called up the hospital and I said, hey, you know, I'm having a lot of difficulty breathing. Is that normal? And uh, of course, they're going to tell me, well, Jose, you're all taped up. You can't take a deep breath. Your ribs are all broken. So it's normal. So I said, okay, uh, I continued to take the meds. And uh, it wasn't like I stopped breathing all of a sudden. It was a very slow process. So... I got to the point where I couldn't lay down anymore. I got to the point where I had to sleep sitting down on the sofa. And I kept going to the, the, the doctors, but they couldn't figure out what the problem was. I got past that New Year's, and uh, it was January 5th that I told my wife at the time, I said, you know what, I can't breathe at all. You better take me, can, can you take me to the hospital? They, they took me to the hospital. It was about 11 o'clock at night. And uh, by the time they triaged and they decided they were going to keep me in the hospital, it was like one o'clock in the morning. So I said to my wife at the time, I said, listen, you guys go ahead home. I'm going to be fine. There's nothing, you know, I'm going to be okay. Don't, don't, you know, and, and thinking like guys always think we're always going to, and who's, who's thinking that they're going to die? Forget about it. Right. Uh, but anyway, they went home and the uh, nurse comes in the room just as they're leaving, and she says to me, you know, Jose, you got that little red button there. If you need anything, you know, don't, don't, don't be afraid to ask for help, right? So I'm looking at her, and I look at the button, and I'm thinking, I'm never going to push that thing. Forget about it, right? But uh, 
I kept thinking about pushing that button. She just left the room and I'm thinking I should push this button. I need to, I need to breathe. And uh, I waited and I waited and I waited about 45, 50 minutes. And uh, during that process, I'm thinking I gotta tough this out. I'm gonna be okay, stop worrying, you're gonna be fine. You know, just try to relax. And, and I was fighting all these emotions and these feelings, you know, and, and trying to make a decision. If I call for help, am I being weak? Am, am I not being a man? If I, you know, I, I got to tough this out. So finally, by the time I, I finally pushed the button and I remember there's a clock right over the room, right over the door. And I'm looking right at that. And I'm looking at that clock and it took about a minute for the nurse to come in the room. She opened the door, she just looked at me, and there's a panel on the wall, and she hit the cold blue button. And uh, I'm like, my mind is going, wait a minute, she just didn't do that. Because I'm understanding, I'm, I'm, I, I, I know what that means. I'm gonna explain to you what it felt like for me to die, what emotions I felt, and uh, uh, so the first emotion that I feel is, it's not fear, it was shame. And I felt the shame because when the crash team came running into the room, they just stripped me down and I had a sheet. I was trying to hold on to this sheet and, and, and they just took it, pulled, pulled it off of me and I was, I was so weak that I couldn't hold on to it and uh, made me feel inadequate. And I felt the shame, like they stripped me down and they lifted me up, they put a board under me and they laid me back down and uh, they started to do what they needed to do to save my life. And I was kind of like aware of it, but not aware of it at the same time. I was really more focused on what I was feeling. Uh, the next thing I started thinking about was my kids. And I'm thinking, what's gonna happen to my kids? And I felt this uh, tremendous knot in my chest, right? My heart is. And I never felt such emotion in my life, the pain of thinking that I'm going to lose everyone that I love and everything that I know. Will they ever see me again? Will I ever see them again? And, and, and then thinking, I'm not alone in this room, but I felt totally alone. And, and thinking, I'm not going to be able to say goodbye to anybody. I'm not going to be able to see them again. And it broke my heart, literally broke my heart. It felt like I was losing everything. And it felt like I was falling. The next thing I feel is fear. Finally, the fear kicks in now. And I'm thinking about growing up and how we handle fear and how we're taught not to show fear. And we, we grow up in that environment as, as young boys and stuff. And I'm thinking, I can't show these people I'm afraid. And uh, what I really wanted to do was hold somebody's hand. Now, when you can't breathe, you can't speak. So I couldn't say anything. And I just, but I could reach out and grab somebody's hand and hold it. Then I started thinking about my dad. And uh, I'm thinking my father, I can't show any fear. My father would be ashamed of me if I did that. And uh, I would be showing weakness and I would be showing uh, that I'm not a guy. And me and my father, uh, when we were growing up, I mean, that was really important to him. So he was half First Nation and in his mind, Men are supposed to be a very specific way where we are supposed to provide food. We, we're called life takers. We, we're supposed to provide food. For, we go hunting. We do all that. We kill to survive and we protect our family and all that. 
and he had it to the ninth level. He had it like on steroids. And uh, so it was very important that we didn't show weakness or, or because it would shame us. So I started thinking about him and I said, my father's going to turn in his grave if he finds out that, I, that I'm being so fearful here. So I'm laying there in that, that bed and I stiffened. My body actually got stiff. And I said, I'm not going to show these people I'm afraid. And I didn't. That was really hard because I was literally terrified. Then I started thinking about God or creator. And I'm thinking, what if God is real? What if my, my, you know, what if I'm wrong? I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in anything. And the reason I didn't believe in God or anything was because my mother was Catholic. My father's First Nation. Their beliefs are totally, totally different. So I didn't want to pick one over the other. I chose, I, 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 I kind of went with math and science as my God. So I went into a very science way of, scientific way of thinking. And uh, that's how I lived my whole life. And that's how my kids grew up. And so uh, it was really difficult thinking maybe there is a God there. And what if there is a God? If there is a God, I'm saying to myself, if you intervene, if you help me here, I'm going to change. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be a, a better man. I'm going to do all the things that I got to do to change my life in a good way. And then I waited. And I waited about 20 seconds. And those 20 seconds felt like an eternity. And my heart was beating so fast. It was like a horse galloping. And I could feel it in my chest. And uh, I couldn't breathe at all. I couldn't take a breath in or out. They're trying to stick tubes down my throat. They're putting IVs on me. They're doing all that. While I'm waiting, I could hear the IV drip. And it sounded like a splash, 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 like water hitting a tin roof. Uh, so loud. And when I looked at the wall, the wall, I'm going to say, was about 10 feet away. But I could see the grain in the wallpaper. And my mind is going like, what is going on here? You know, what, what's happening? And then my heart stopped. It was beating so fast and then it just stopped and I could hear the monitor going beep, 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 and then beep. When I heard that, I knew that my heart had stopped, that it meant I was going to, to die. I was dead. And uh, the fear kicks in again and anger came. I got angry and I said, God, I, I knew you weren't real. What am I doing? What am I, why am I praying? Why am I begging? And uh, I started thinking about giving up and quitting because that's a big deal for us. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to explain to myself that I'm not giving up and I'm not quitting. So I'm telling myself, you're not giving up and you're not quitting, Jose. You just can't change the outcome of what's happening. There's nothing you could do to stop this. So there's no shame in this. And that's really important, or was really important to me at that time. And I said to myself, it's okay to die. And the minute I said that, I looking right at the door, and the door was really bright. And I could see like a shadow standing out there. And uh, the shadow moves into the room the minute I said it's okay to die. And uh, shadow reaches out, it touches me. And when, when, when that shadow touched me, 
I felt a warm breeze kind of blowing all of a sudden and I felt this tremendous sense of love and peace and calm like everything is, couldn't be any better everything was perfect the calm was I couldn't hear the noise in the room I, I know there was a lot going on I'm seeing it but it wasn't like didn't matter and I feel this breeze blowing and blowing and blowing and I got this crazy long hair right so I'm thinking my hair is going to be blowing in the wind and you know I'm, I'm having this vision of wow how beautiful it looks right and I feel myself lifting and lifting and lifting and before I know it I just come right up and I'm standing in the corner of the room when I'm standing in the corner of that room I'm seeing everything in front of me. I'm seeing myself on a bed. I'm seeing the crash team trying to save my life. They're doing CPR and all that. And I looked at myself. And I guess this is going to be the, what we would call a defining moment. I had several of these, right? This was the first one. This one was, I looked at myself and I saw myself and I said, that's me and I'm dead. Then I said to myself, but if that's me, then who am I? Who am I? So who was I? I'm seeing this. I'm, I'm seeing it and I'm thinking everything I need to be doing this is dead in my body, my brain, my eyes. How could I be seeing this and hearing it and everything's dead? Then I hear this voice on my left side and it, it sounded feminine and she said to me, visualize your body as if it was a car. And that car has five million miles on it so there's nothing we could do to fix it anymore. So now, Jose, you need to say goodbye to your body. And I'm thinking as I'm hearing that, wait a minute, I just said goodbye to life. Everything that I know, everything that I love, I said goodbye to it. It's hard to define that moment because it's not only the people you love and everything that we know, it's everything that, everything that we see, everything that we learned, we're gonna lose all that in one second. But thinking of, I just lost everything that I know and love. Now you're asking me to say goodbye to my body. But I looked at my body, and this was the, that other defining moment, where I looked at my body, and for the first time, I'm looking at myself as if I was perfect. And I'm looking at my body, and I say, wow, that body sacrificed itself for me, gave itself up for me, and did whatever I wanted. Even if it wasn't a good idea, my body didn't say no. It just, whatever I wanted to do, it, it did it. And... Uh, it just gave itself up to me. And as I looked at my body, I started to get these memories. And uh, you think we would get these memories that are like crossroads in your life. So when you get married, when you graduate school, when you, you know, when, when you, you see your first baby born, stuff like that, those are like defining moments in our life, right? But the memories that I was getting were what I call benign. They were everyday memories that we have every day. They were me holding my little brother's hands when I was little. Sunrise, a bird singing, me looking at my kids when they were little and seeing the love that they had for me in their eyes and taking a deep breath. All these simple things that happen all day. And I'm looking at my body and this is what I'm experiencing and I'm thinking, oh my God, I lived my whole life 
and I missed it. I missed life because I wasn't in the moment. I wasn't experiencing these things. Yes, they were happening to me, but I wasn't like aware. I was worried about work, worried about this, competing, you know, uh, I was very materialistic. So I, you know, the house, the cars, it was all about stuff. It wasn't about people. It wasn't about the people around me. And uh, I felt this sense of loss all of a sudden, like, I'm never going to be able to relive this. Now I'm realizing this and I'm dying. It's too late. I don't have a chance to, 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 I'm not going to have the chance to live life and redo this. And it felt really bad. But at the same time, something was giving me a lift. And then I said, it's okay. Then I just looked at myself and I realized the beauty, my physical beauty, because I had always looked at myself as I wasn't good enough. Everybody was always telling me, you're not good enough. You're never going to make it. You're never going to do this. And uh, I think most of us live our life like that. When we look in the mirror, we're just looking at ourselves in such a harsh way and uh, not realizing that we're okay. We're who we're supposed to be and the way we, we, you know, I'm what I am. And there's perfection in that. So I didn't get it till that moment. So that point, I hear that voice telling me, okay, Jose, now we got to leave. And we start moving. And we go right through those doors that I saw the shadow at. And uh, we're moving and I see in front of me like a black hole, big hole. And we're moving and we go straight into it and I fall. And I feel myself like something being ripped off of me. It's the only time that I had an, a, a, what I'm going to call a negative-like experience. It wasn't that bad. It was just like something being torn off of you. Then I land on the bottom, and the voice says, keep going. And I keep going. There's another hole, and I fall in there. Same thing happens. I feel like that rip. This time, when I hit the bottom, I'm like in the middle of the center of a ball. So if you imagine a basketball and I'm right in the middle of it, the inside, and all around me is color, like 360 degrees, above me, below me, on the sides. And uh, I'm hearing that voice telling me, kind of explain to me what was happening, what was I feeling. And the voice was telling me, to come here, you have to be pure. You can't have any negative feelings or emotions or any painful thing that happened in your life. We had to get we had to get rid of it. We had to get it, take it off of you. So I kind of understood that. I said, wow. So I'm like in a pure state here. And I'm looking at the color and I don't know if I'm moving towards it or if the colors are moving towards me. That's kind of like what that is behind me. Was the paintings that I do are what I saw there. And I feel like I'm being taken into these colors and my feelings the emotions were of gratitude and love and like for the first time in my life, these things are accepting me and they're not judging me. I'm not being judged at all. I'm, I'm a perfect being going into this perfect orb of color. And I enter this, this wall, I, I'm in the color, then I'm immersed by color. And I get a feeling of what yellow was like or red. And I'm experiencing all these colors and I'm hearing like a chatter, like a million voices talking to me at the same time, like shh. Somehow I'm understanding something though. 
and it's explained to me how to paint. Now, I never painted in my life. I never did anything like that. And I still have a hard time painting stick figures, but it's telling me you need to start on a black canvas. The black canvas is, is, is and it, it was explained to me in the darkness, in what we think is empty, is all the ingredients that we need to make everything that you see and know. So it gave me an example, like look up in the sky at night and where you see that blackness in there, it's all the ingredients to make all those stars and everything that, that we see. It was so simple. It was such a like a no brainer. I'm like, wow. So anyway, it was telling me to start with black canvas. So I paint my canvas black before I start. And uh, I keep moving through the colors and I'm finally come out on the other side. Now the other side is, I guess what some people would call heaven, you know, it's this beautiful place. And the first thing I see is an amazing forest in front of me. Now I grew up in New York city. Then I lived in, in Florida, um, a massive forest of pine trees in front of you. is not something that I would see. And then mountains, these beautiful mountains, right in, in the background. And they were really immensely tall. They were so tall that the top was snow. They were covered in snow. They were so high. And I'm, I'm looking at this beauty and I'm saying, oh my God, this is like so amazing. And uh, same time, I started thinking about my kids. And I asked, what's going to happen to my kids? And I hear that voice tell me, don't worry, you can see them from here. Now, the thought of being able to see the people that I love was such a freeing thing. It just allowed me to embrace everything that was happening in front of me with an awareness that I would never really lose them, that I'm always going to be able to see them. I'll always be connected to them. They may not be able to see me, but I could see them, and that's what mattered. And it made me feel so good and calm. And then in that space, all you do is feel that sense of love and peace and calm. So it was like, I felt one, one with everything. And then I start moving. And as I'm moving, I realize that I'm flying. And I said to myself, I'm flying. And I hear that voice tell me that's normal here. So I went off on my merry journey. Then there was this huge tree in front of me. And as I get closer to this tree, another defining moment. And the defining moment is I feel myself become that tree. And I could feel that tree drinking from Mother Earth. And I could feel that tree's heart. I could feel the breeze touching its leaves and its bark. I could feel everything. And then I became the leaf. Then I became the breeze. And I was becoming everything that I got near. If I got near a stone, I became that stone. And I had this amazing experience of not being in this body, like separate from everything, but just being a part of everything. And to me, that sense of oneness is very profound, very profound. And uh, I continued experiencing all these things, bird and the air in front of me, the sky. And then I could see these mountains and I'm thinking, I want to go up there. And I just decide, let me go up there. And I could see on the mountains the beautiful shadows that the clouds make. It was breathtaking view, right? Because I'm looking at the contrast between the light and the shade and the dark. And, uh, you know, and thinking 
New York City, I don't see any mountains. In Florida, you definitely don't see any mountains. And here I am, and I'm even there wondering, why here? Why this? And anyway, I finally get to the top of the mountains, and uh, I'm looking to the right. As I look to the right, I can see the sun in the horizon. And that sun, I don't know if it's rising or setting, but I could see it as if I'm looking through a telescope, and I could see the flares just come off of it, and I could feel that warm breeze coming from there. And the thing is, there's a part of me that's still science-based, and I'm thinking, wow, that warm air is giving me this lift. That's why I'm able to fly here. It's giving me this buoyancy, right? And then I look to the left, and I see this beautiful ocean and a U-shaped cove. And I'm looking down, and I can see a man in the water, and uh, he's holding six children on his right side and one child on his left. And they were all knee deep in the water, holding like arms like that. They're, they're just string. And uh, at that point, I think I was supposed to make a choice. The choice is either I go to the sun, or I go down and see who this who this person is. And in retrospect, now in hindsight, I'm thinking if I would have went to the sun. I may not have come back. You know, a lot of people ask me today, so what advice would you give me? And the advice is very simple. I just tell people, make happy thoughts. Make good memories. Because that's the only thing I could take. I can't take a cent. It taught me the value of all the things that I thought were important. Maybe weren't so important. It's just tough. I can't take none of that with me. What I could take with me is all the memories that we make with the people that we're around, the people we love, the people we care about, the things we find beauty, the world. Mother Earth is so beautiful. What a blessing. And uh, to explore and, and feel her under your feet. And everything all around you, the air. It's just breathless. It's, this life is breathless. And then I, I think about it from a very simple perspective, and it's very... Let me just say it. Imagine it took 5 billion years for the earth to be what it is today. And I want to look at it from a perspective that's a little more spiritual and say, Creator, oh God, made this place for us. 5 billion years in the making so we could live in it. How important are we? How important are we that it? They, it took 5 billion years for this place that we're going to live on to be made for us so that we can live in it, so that we can have the oxygen, the water, everything that we need, animals, everything that's here. This, this is a perfect, perfect, perfect place. So that's my story. You said there is something very special about this life here on Earth. What is the most special thing for you on this planet? In this life the most special thing in this life is the opportunity to share with the people around you to get to know who they are it's a blessing to feel their love to feel their the way they feel to experience who they are you know and then just look out the window 
See where I live now, there's mountains, there's trees, there's flowers everywhere. What a gift. Skies, wherever we are, there's always a sky. When I was in New York City, there were a lot of buildings, but there was always beauty. There was always that bird singing out there. There's always something, you know. There's just so much magic to life. And then that connection we have with people. See, I feel disconnected, right? That's only physically. Spiritually, you're inter intertwined with so much. You're so bound to everything. You're one. You know, we, we feel like we're not, but we're still one. And then there's all these special people that come into your life. And you got pets. You got so many wonderful things around you that are so relevant, that are so important. That you can express how you feel. And we feel this thing about even a car. We can feel it about a house, about something we really love. It doesn't have to be another human being. It's just so many things we can love. Some people love rain, some people love the ocean, some people love mountains. There's just so much to love. So, beauty is in the detail. The everyday little things that we we'll never pay attention to. You started to see all that when you came back. The little things, like a smile of a child, or a leaf on the tree, or wind blowing. You started to absorb everything to see it when you came back. Right. You need to experience life. And life is happening all the time. But either we're sitting back watching life, which most of us are doing, or we're actually living life. And that's what that experience taught me. It taught me to be aware of what's happening at every moment, there's so much magic happening. Don't lose it. You know, I know I gotta get up to go to work tomorrow morning. I know I gotta do this. I know I gotta go shopping so we can have dinner tonight and stuff like that. But in those moments, there's so much magic. Don't lose it. Don't let it go by you because that's what we take with us. Think about it, the, bre the breath, it's just amazing. We have a contact with the soul, with the spirit, just with the breath, every, like you said, 24 times a minute, or whatever it is. Now, Jose, tell me this, what's the biggest realization that you brought with you from the other side? The biggest realization, that's a good question, because there were so many things that I realized, right? What has value, what matters? What's important, you know, forgiveness, you know, all those things that we need as human beings. That's the realization. We're all different and we're all in our own way perfect. And I know we've heard that a million times, but there's so much truth in that. So when I was growing up, I was always competing, competing, competing. And I realized maybe I don't need to compete so much. Maybe I just need to live life and enjoy it. That's what life is, an opportunity. You know, people ask me a lot of times, what's my purpose? And to me, that's such a simple question. Now, before it was, I have to work. I got to make money. I got to have all these things. If I have 10 cars and my friend has 12, damn, I got to figure out a way to get 13. 
Now, it, the purpose is live life. Be grateful. You know, even if you're flipping burgers somewhere, you're serving. Somebody's going to come and buy that hamburger and take it home or eat it, feed their family with it. So that's what you're doing. It looks so mundane what we do so often. And I'm looking at people, I say, gosh, you know, that guy that's driving that truck from one side, from the West Coast to the East Coast, delivering stuff, put that food in your house eventually. You know, it, it's, we just don't value all the stuff that we do and how, how important it all is, right? We just minimize, minimize, minimize. And I, I think I learned to just value. There's so much value in having even a conversation with somebody, listening to their voice. And maybe that person could tell you something that's going to change your life in a good way forever. And maybe you're struggling right now, but something something somebody says to you. You may never see that person again. Just something they said to you, and wow. It just opened up your eyes and all of a sudden changed life. That, that, that's what I learned over there. That there's so much magic and so much power. People don't believe in it. There's real magic. And it's simple. It's just look up, look out, look at yourself, look at everybody around you. There's magic everywhere. Now about you becoming an artist, this is amazing. So you never had to do anything with the painting and suddenly you come back and you have this urge to paint. And can you explain that, how that manifested for you eventually? Yeah, that was powerful. Because I came back and I had this desire to paint what I saw. So when I was in that ball in the middle, there was all this color moving. It was alive. It was moving. It wasn't static. And I had this urge to paint what I saw. And I saw a lot because this is so vast. So the, this thing was so huge. This palette was so humongous. This, And there's so much that I could paint. And I'm thinking, how, how am I going to do that? How am I ever going to do that? And I couldn't stop thinking about it. Now, I'm wrestling with the fact that I think something's wrong with me. So that never happened. You never heard a voice. You never, you don't know how to paint. Forget it. And it wasn't until the mental health professional said to me, you know, you make that choice. You believe your dad's going to come get you. It made me accept this, what happened. And then I could say, okay, now I could try to paint. I know I heard something. I got a blueprint. Let me see if it works. And it did, it did work. I mean, I, I have about 140, 150 pieces of art. A lot of people have them in their home. And I, I look at it from an energetic perspective. To me, that painting behind me is just as alive as I am. That color moves so I can see it. That wavelength is what I am, vibration. And we have a lot in common. And I, I, I just look at it as a living thing and I explain it to people very simply. You can look at three paintings and you're going to buy one. What ultimately makes you pick one? 
the one that has the same vibration like you, right? Exactly. You're communicating. Something's happening. And in that communication, ah, this one, maybe not. This one, I just love this one. And I think that's, we don't think about it like that, but that's how it is. And we're communicating with everything that way. You know, when we see the ocean, if it touches us, we're communicating. You look at the sky, the same thing, the clouds. The, you know, I, I love a thunderstorm. Being in Florida so many years, we get so many. I just love the energy of it and all that. You know, it just, there's a communication happening to me when that happens. It's, it's something that I can't physically understand or explain. But if I think spirit, and even if I think frequencies and vibrations, I get it. I get how there could be a connection. And ultimately, that's how we become connected to everything. Because we're all, at the end of the day, we're all a frequency or vibration. And as science explores more and more in quantum, like we get deep into the quantum world, it just really reaffirms what we're talking about here. Everything is a vibration. Everything's moving. You know, uh, even I read an article the other day that molecules and things like that have, have sound. And those sounds touch us. We can't hear them, but we feel them. And I find that incredibly unique because it validates my experience to a certain degree. You know, where I was experiencing everything, where I could become one with everything, you know, it, it's right here. Now, how do you feel when you paint? When I paint, I'm going to be honest with you, it feels like you're dead again. It just feels... I've never been asked that question. I can be very emotional. Feel like you're there, and you feel that incredible sense of peace and calm and love. It just—that's what you—that's the foundation of what you're on. Maybe clouds or whatever, whatever you're on. It's just that incredible beauty, that sense of peace, calm, and love. And it just, you feel so calm, right? But it just feels like you're over there again. So painting is a meditation for you. It is. And it's amazing that you said that. Because when I started painting, my goal was to paint these images so that people could use them for meditation. And if I light them up in a certain way, they move. So that painting behind me is a lot of paintings. Paint one, then I paint one over it, then I paint over it, then I paint over it, then I paint over it. It has all those layers. And if I was to expand that, it would be a three-dimensional field. You light it up, it moves. If it has that depth and it has that sense of movement, what I'm trying to do is recreate the life that I saw in what we would normally not see life. Yeah. You know, color is a magical thing. 
I've been looking at the painting behind you. I just can't take my eyes out of that. They're very powerful. And because they're in layers, you know, my dream was when we people meditate with it, they move through it. So you see that glass? I put it on glass, I put it on metal. That's very specific reason because when I do that and I stand in front of it, I see myself in it. So you are a part of it. Right. Now I'm in it. I'm a part of it. I'm not separate from it anymore. And that helps, I hope it helps people with a lot of their struggles to show, you know, a lot of stuff from here is only from here. And there's a lot of stuff that's from other places that we just never. So I, I, I like to put it on a reflective surface so that people can see themselves and you're right there now. You're a part of it. You're not separate. You're it's an interesting thought. People, when they watch this uh, painting, reflecting their image, they step into the reality that you've seen one time. And that reality is a three-dimensional field. So it's, it has depth. It's, we perceive life in certain ways, right? It has to have depth. It has to have height. It has to have the three dimensions, right? It has that. And it also has movement. Once it animates itself and I light it and it moves, colors shift, they change. Now it, 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 it has more of what we have. Right? We move, we're able to do all these things. That's what life is, you know? And the experience made me look at everything. And, you know, to me, Mother Earth is so full of life. Everything is alive here. Are you afraid of death? Uh, no, I'm not afraid of death. I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. I've had several experiences since my near death where I've been pretty close. I never got my, my, I only have 60% lung function, so my lungs are very weak, and because my heart was damaged, I stopped. Uh, every once in a while I get issues and I get close. I'm not fearful. Because I just start thinking what I was. And I'm waiting to get there. That's the way I look at it. It takes the fear away. How I die, sometimes I think about that. I don't want to suffocate again. And maybe that's what will happen because I don't have 60% lung function. But it took a long time. You know, because it's hard for me to explain this because it only took five minutes, right? And then somebody that has cancer could say, well, it took two years for, for, for that person to die. But it's a little different because you're not at that point where you're right at the door. You're getting to that door slowly. Here you're at the door and you're knocking on it and you're ready to get in. And it, it feels like a long time, those last few minutes. And maybe it feels like that for everybody. I'm not, I don't know, you know, but I, I know one thing for sure. I'm going to tell you this. I think, the minute that the time is right, you're gonna tell yourself it's okay. And when you tell yourself it's okay, the magical journey begins. I, I believe we, 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 we need to 
accept it. We need to say okay. Until we don't say okay, we can't move to that space. So, no, I'm no longer afraid.